Da da da. Yes. Okay, everyone happy? We are recording. Yep. Step into our confessional. Confess all. We won't tell anyone. Just the entire nation. From Greatest Hits Radio, Simon Mayo's Confessions. Hello and welcome to another Confessions podcast from your good friends at Greatest Hits Radio. Unusually this week, we're going to start the service with an item from the Parish Notice Board, as so many of you have been in touch about last week's podcast. You may remember Sister Holly flaunting her youthful lingo. <laughs> yeah, no, with, I do remember that. With gay abandon. And then when we didn't have partners, it was like Galentines. It was what? Galentines. What? You get your gal pals, Galentines. Oh. Well, hang on, hang on. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Just not. It's what? No, never been no, a thing. Not nope. a thing. Two reactions to this. Firstly, and this is maybe because we attract a young and very hip demographic. Mm. That's what I thought. Yeah. A yeah. lot of mm. listeners emailed and many attaching clips of the TV show Parks and Recreation asking, how does Simon and Matt not know about? About Galentines. Okay. I mean, I love Parks and Rec, but I'd still not seen anything about Galentines at all. Did you get it from, from no, a TV show? No, it was it's just, just a you. known thing. I was talking to a friend of mine, actually, you know, a few days ago, and I said, oh, what are you doing for Valentine's? And she said, oh, I'm doing a Galentine's with my friend. We're going to the cinema. It's a thing. It's, it's an just established going to, it's thing. It's just going to the cinema then, <laughs> No, but it's on Valentine's. It's like a date, but with your girlfriend. So therefore not a date. Yeah. <laughs> Also, <laughs> not going with this empirical evidence of I was speaking to my friend <laughs> and she completely backed up everything I had to no, say. No, it's true, it's true. <laughs> anyway, Matt and I were struggling to think of uh, what the male equivalent would be. Yeah. Uh, Andy was in touch, as were many others offering us this. Simon, what you and Matt need is a Palantine's Ooh. night where pals get a takeaway and some beers in and moan about the increasing price of car insurance yeah. whilst re-watching old sport. Probably avoid the 2019 Champions League final. Oh. You won't like how it ends. <laughs> no, no, no. Uh, it's from Andy in, um, in, Liverpool. in Liverpool. Oh, yes. How so, did that end? Well, the thing is, not no. only would I not enjoy how it ends, I wouldn't enjoy how it starts because <laughs> the most ridiculous penalty, which should never I, have been. I mean, come on. That was that never was, a penalty. That was absolutely, absolutely a penalty. never a penalty. Never seen a more nailed-on penalty but, in my but life. But this is the perfect bonding for a great Palantines, really. <laughs> I think. No. <laughs> as, as opposed to night out. Yeah. Yes. Do you want to go out for a pizza? Yes, OK. Should we name it something? No, let's just no. go out for a pizza. Yeah. Anyway, enough of this nonsense. Coming up, more of the confessions marked not for broadcast. There's another classic from The Crypt and all the confessions from the Simon Mayo Drive Time Show on Greatest Hits Radio, including Kevin's Barley Balls Up, Can I Get Me Some Nasty Bass, Nobby's Confession, More Tea Vicar, Ashley's Fancy dress fiasco, tears of a clown. But first up, serial romantic Roger's tale. Oh, my oh-so-funny Valentine. Simon Mayo's Confessions. We won't tell anyone. What? Oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, we will tell everyone. Father Simon, Sister Holly, Brother Matt. My tale of love, because this is a Valentine oh, confession. Oh, here we go. Took place over 30 years ago. I'd recently begun work at a further education college in Bristol. I was a young man in his 20s, working within a technical team. It wasn't long before I noticed a blonde, petite young lady named Carol working in the administration office. The Christmas staff party, I plucked up courage and we spent most of the evening chatting and getting on very well. Shortly after, I asked her out for a date and further dates progressed after that. Carol had told me she was an only child and lived at home with her parents. She said her parents, particularly her mother, wanted to meet me and I should come over for dinner. That evening, I was introduced to Gerald and Glenda, Carol's parents. 
Gerald was a quietly spoken man, didn't say much all evening. Glenda, on the other hand, did all the talking. She reminded me of a stereotypical schoolmistress with a look of Hattie Jakes. Ah, yeah. Uh, to say I was terrified is an understatement. It, it'll take too long to explain. <laughs> the <laughs> carry on star. Yeah. Oh, okay. Hattie Jakes, look yes. her up. Yeah, yeah. After clearing my throat, I declared that. Carol and I were going on a package holiday to Val d'Isère in France for four days. We were hoping to attend ski lessons whilst we were out there. Glenda did not look pleased and insisted we had separate bedrooms. Moving forward a couple of weeks then to February, we arrived in Val d'Isère and it was our first day on the ski slope. We picked up our boots and skis from the hire shop, but after a few yards down the road, Carol was struggling carrying her skis and insisted that I carried them the rest of the way. I reluctantly agreed. We made, as a first clue. We made it into the beginner's slope and our group began practicing traversing. We're all doing it very well, apart from Carol. When the instructor suggested we take the ski lift to the top of the beginner's slope, this is when disaster struck. Carol came down the slope like Bridget Jones and piled straight into our group waiting at the bottom to use the ski lift. Carol was clearly upset, and so on the walk back to the hotel, carrying her skis again, Carol decided she wasn't going to ski for the rest of the week. This suited me fine, as I was off enjoying myself, getting up to the red slopes in absolutely no time. Okay. Then one night at about 3am, I heard a noise coming from the kitchen. When I investigated, I found Carol snacking away on my Weetabix. (laughs) (laughs) I said to her... That's my breakfast cereal, and I've only I've only brought enough for four days. Well, clearly not anymore. Carol said she always gets up in the middle of the night for a snack. Anyway, <laughs> all things considered, on arriving home to England, I'd made up my mind that no one messes with my Weetabix. We were not compatible, and perhaps it would be a good idea to end the relationship. I rang up Susie and said I would call round tomorrow evening as I wanted to talk to her about something important. Well, when I turned up at her house the next evening, I noticed that Carol had an extra layer of makeup and there were curls in her hair. She was wearing her best dress. She told me her parents were out and she'd prepared a romantic meal for the two of us. I sat down at the table and this beautiful roast was brought out. She'd obviously gone to a great deal of time and effort. After we'd eaten, Carol gave me a card and a small present. I was slightly confused and only when I opened the card, it dawned on me, Happy Valentine. I had totally forgotten. Oh, no. <laughs> no. I thanked her for the card, present, and the wonderful meal. I then told her I wanted to end our relationship as it wasn't working out, and she ate my Weetabix. <laughs> I was about to fetch my coat when Carol burst into tears. She said she thought I was going to propose. That's what I wanted to talk to her about. I don't know what gave her that impression. Anyway, I heard the front door open and her parents came in, so I did what any other decent young man would do. I said goodnight and made a sharp exit for the front door. I avoided Susie at work after that. I think she... <laughs> Roger not covering himself in glory here. I believe she got herself another job anyway. Therefore, Father Simon, I ask forgiveness for the misery I put Carol through that evening, although I think it makes sense not to have given her any false hopes. I would also like to ask forgiveness from Gerald and Glenda as I left them with all the washing up. Because that is obviously the uh, yeah, uh, the uh, crucial thing yeah, in the telling yeah, of yeah. this story, uh, the washing up. So, well, I mean, you didn't want to carry her skis and she ate your Weetabix. I mean, what can we say? Sister Holly. Carol- 
Carol deserved better, really. Uh, I, I think, frankly, yeah, she, she's gone off with a with a much better man now. I just thought, think, you know, the fact that you were upset about the Weetabix, that's mm. really quite, quite rubbish. Also didn't want to carry her skis, but you're probably a little bit stronger, so maybe you could have helped her out. You're in a hotel, they serve breakfast. Try that. Exactly, exactly. Uh, but the main problem here is forgetting that it was Valentine's Day. That's a massive rookie area. I can't believe you forgot that. That's, that's very, very bad. Not only that, but was going to break up with her on Valentine's and actually did. That's that's pretty <laughs> that's awful. Right. That's not good. Uh, and so, for that reason, not forgiving at I all. I mean, I'm laughing, but I'm crying inside. <laughs> <laughs> Aren't we all? <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, brother from another... Number guy. one, Carol, carry your own skis. Why? Very easy, carry your own skis. Number two, if you're going to go to Val go skiing. Don't spend the week going, oh, it went wrong once, I'm not going to bother skiing again. Number three, don't eat someone else's... If he's only brought enough Weetabix for the time that you're there and he realised that I'm going to need five chunks of Weetabix, then don't eat it. What are you doing? Why eating his Weetabix. Can't eat his Weetabix. Mm. Definitely not. And number four, if the week had gone as badly as that, what, what on earth made you think he was going to propose? He's not going to propose after that. He's called the meeting, uh, what well, meeting, you know, yeah, appointment on with Valentine's you. Day. On, it just happens to be on Valentine's Day. Uh, and you've completely misread the situation. Anyway, she got another job. She's fine. And, and, and uh, <laughs> I reckon Roger's fine as well. So for that reason, go really? to give. Wow. Simon Mayo's Confessions. I think we can take from that that Matt has either had to carry <laughs> someone else's skis or been forced to share his breakfast cereal. I mean, there are clear... I think I think most reasonable-minded people would agree with me when I say that there are clear rules on breakfast that you've taken off on holiday with you. No. You, you only pack enough breakfast for the time that you're away and no-one else gets to have any of that breakfast. If you I bought buy, you seven buy shredded locally. wheats... No, you, no, 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 because you can't buy shredded wheat when you're in uh, well, Torino. Uh, or whatever. And no, no, but I bought the shredded wheat. I bought five of them. We're away for five nights. So don't eat my shredded Imagine wheat. Wouldn't How you much share it with your partner, though? Wouldn't, isn't that sort of what you if would do? If she wants yeah. some shredded wheat, then she should have, when we were packing, said, I'll have some shredded wheat as well. But uh, no. as she was folding the cardboard <laughs> towels, she would have. <laughs> anyway, when the people's verdict came in, I think it would be fair to say that we may have overlooked how seriously some people take their Weetabix. Adrian and Whiston says, I'm going to say that Roger is totally, totally forgiven, as I, as a young lad, used to eat 56 Weetabix a week, nothing else. What? I lived on Weetabix for breakfast and evening meals as I was landscape gardening, and I kept fit by doing this, so I'm totally forgiven. 56 Weetabix a week. What? Don't try that at home, kids. No, that's not a balanced diet. Gardening. I mean, it's very nice, but you don't want. Even the people at Weetabix don't say no, only eat 56. Weetabix. Even Mr. Weetabix and Mrs. Weetabix, they have other things like fruit. <laughs> Anything else? No, just for Weetabix, thanks. That's the worst diet I've ever heard of. I mean, the thing with Weetabix is it's full of fibre, so, you know. Yeah, but you don't want too much fibre, mm. do you? No, 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 but stay within 20 yards of the loo, that's what I would say. <laughs> Anyway. Uh, imagine planning a holiday with Matt. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Parish Daily Sport Time. Uh, this is uh, this is your bit. Your emails, tweets, uh, reviews, personal verdicts on the confessions. Send it all to confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk. So obviously we are going to want your reviews on our tunes, iTunes, uh, whatever. But we are only interested in five stars. So five stars from H seventeen seventeen. Classic. A return of a classic. Classic. What classic? <laughs> what podcasts were invented for? Hilarious from the start and all the way through. Never change. Uh, Sue. 82 says five stars is this the funniest podcast ever yes you bet it is mm-hmm. download this now you'll be crying with laughter in minutes hilarious stories from people who think it's okay to do some really odd stuff in real life and penguin chick 17 five stars says got me laughing again years later i love this podcast so much i used to listen daily taking my baby for walks listening again five years later now she's at school and it's every bit as hilarious and of course it's five star reviews that we like best so leave us a review and you might feature next week this is from Sally about something that was mentioned in episode 5 Father Simon Brother Matt Sister Holly OMG (laughs) last week you talked about putting a Valentine's message in the classified ads of the newspaper too long ago for the likes of Holly who I assume must be 19 or something (laughs) something like that anyway I thought I'd email to let you know that this is how I met an ex years ago I was laughing so much hearing you talk about them I'd forgotten all about it the ad was in the Eastern Daily Press the Guardian would have been far too pricey for that cheapskate (laughs) I think it said something cringy like no more lonely nights roses are red violets are blue this tall handsome stranger would like to get to know you doesn't scan call my mailbox do you call a mailbox no oh no no you did didn't you you? yeah you'd have a number at the bottom and you'd ring it yeah isn't it a bit weird i wouldn't be into that anyway i don't know why but he (laughs) sounded fun and i was single so we went on a few dates and we were together for a while but eventually i realized he should have put way more emphasis on the stranger and a lot less on the tall and handsome oh right (laughs) ain't that the truth fun memories though love the new podcast and that's from Sally (laughs) yes uh Sorry. I guess this could be uh, considered a verdict on one of the confessions from last week. Uh, The one about the guy who kept calling the restaurant to wind up the waitress. Nasty piece. Mm. Yeah, nasty piece of work. Uh, Vicky says, I don't know about forgiveness, but I'd certainly give that Robert Pillock more than a piece of my mind for repeatedly calling to hassle that waitress who was clearly just trying to do her best and engage for 15 years... What the actual? Yes. Robert needs to pull his finger out, <laughs> firstly, so I can boot him up the backside and tell him to get a shift on. And that's if his fiance hasn't had the sense to give him the boot first. Not forgiven, says Vicky Heyman in Hull. I mean, I, I think it's fair enough to say if you've been engaged for 50... I mean, either yeah. either do or don't. You don't have mm. to be engaged. Great. You don't have to be anything. You can be married. What's fine. Yeah, but what's yeah. the point of being the engaged middle for ground. 15? Ridiculous. Mm. Mm. Anyway, this is from Maddie. <laughs> I was doubling over with laughter listening to the awkwardness of Simon and Matt trying to tactfully explain Ugandan discussions oh, yes. right. to poor innocent Holly, <laughs> who, by the way, sounds like she's been brought up properly, not dragged up like Matt. Well, yeah. This reminded me of a situation I found myself in while working at a very prestigious law firm. One of the partners, Mr X, was known to be a little promiscuous, and whenever he was late returning from a meeting, it was common in the office to say he was looking for badges, in reference to a new story at the time about the MP Ron Davis. Huh? I'd completely forgotten about it. Oh yes! Ron Davis. On Clapham Common. It was, yeah. it was found on Clapham Common, and that was his, where it was like, like a cruising place, you know, you could, yeah. you know. 
Yeah. You'd hang out on Clapham Common looking for fun and games. Uh, <laughs> what well, um, good times sound like this? <laughs> no, not, <laughs> not, not, not again. Not again. Emphasize enough. No, he was, <laughs> it's not that. He was looking for good times, but they didn't sound like that. <laughs> no, they didn't. He was looking for badgers. That was his. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That was his excuse. Yeah, yeah, was yeah. he actually? This no, he. Uh, <laughs> sorry, uh, this is all good fun until one day a younger colleague who had clearly overheard us using this reference but not understanding it, told a very important client that Mr X would be unable to take his call right now because he was out <laughs> looking for badges. It left me with a lot of explaining to do. Nice. Maddie, thank you very much indeed. Uh, Claire Mackay in five. Thank you so much for bringing confessions back. They've made me laugh so much. I'd really love to hear again the confession about a hamster that was brought home from school and was accidentally dropped as the base of a cage parted from the top of it. The poor hamster and base fell down the stairs. I'm pretty sure the hamster survived, but the description and story had me doubled up laughing. It was one of the funniest things I've ever heard. I'm afraid that's all I can remember. I'm not sure if you'll be able to find it as the description is quite vague, but if you could, I can't tell you how much I I'd appreciate it. Thank you so much. Claire, thanks for getting in touch. I do remember it. it is one of those confessions which, because it involves a hamster, probably would not get on. It won't no, get on now. No, no. no. Even <laughs> if the hamster survived. Uh, dear Father Simon, Brother Matt, Sister Holly, and the rest at Greatest Hits Radio, this comes from Josh. Um, this is a confession from the old days. My dad got me into Confessions Podcast when you did it during the old days, and both his and my favourite confession was called Radio Ha Ha, which involved a Ford Transit van megaphone during the 1980s, when Night Rider was being broadcast. If you could dig it out for the new audience to experience and for old time's sake, for us veteran listeners, that would be grand. Of course, always five-star reviews. And from last week's I'm the leader, I'm in charge. Keep up the podcast. It's I'm a great the leader. thing. I'm in charge. I'm in charge. I'm the leader. I'm in charge. I remember the Night Rider one. Do you remember that? I do. Yeah, it's yeah. from the other side. In the so other side, yeah. It, it Obviously, not, no. It won't be transferred over even if we ask very nicely. Yeah. We're losing enough <laughs> listeners from you guys. We're not going to make As it better it for you. No. Uh, thank you very much for everyone uh, getting in touch. Uh, email us at any time, confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk. Quick couple of mentions to Michelle Andrew. That's Andrew Richardson. Kerry Hughes, Maura, Maura O, Rob and Karen, who are among those who tweeted the secret phrase from last week's podcast, which was, of course, Galentines. Keep listening through to the end of this podcast to pick up this week's top secret code phrase which you can cash in for money when yeah, you yeah. see Holly walking around Definitely, the streets. Definitely, you she have will to see Holly. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Confessions. Uh, right, not for broadcast section. This is the sleazy and grubby part of the podcast. The confessions that ended up in the file marked not for broadcast due to the rules of Tea Time Radio. So, for example, Terry, who thought that his hilarious last day on the job prank would make him a legend. He added laxatives and associates. Oh, right. oh, no. There are Gone. no laxative None. ones ever read out. To his colleagues, T, with the inevitable effects, far from making him a legend, it didn't take Poirot to work out that as he was the only one not affected, he was obviously the perpetrator and the police were called. Oh, right, so yeah. on two counts, it's not getting on. It goes without no. saying, we certainly don't encourage this kind of behaviour, hence it didn't make it to the radio. Also, as soon as the police become involved, that's not funny. Laxatives aren't funny, but no. we just mention it because as, yes. as a way to show you a better future. Mm. Indeed. Uh, Noel, uh, who was instructed by his boss to visit the regional office and give Leanne a verbal warning for her poor sales performance, confidently marching into the office the next morning, he pulled Leanne into a t meeting room and gave her the bad news. Leanne stood her ground and told him that if that was what the company thought of her, Noel could stick his job. She stormed out distraught and was in tears. On leaving the meeting room, Noel was greeted by another sales rep 
also called Leanne. Uh, uh, looking back at the paperwork and realising he just dismissed the wrong Leanne, he did the honest and decent thing. Noel told his boss it had all been taken care of, then left the company a few months later for new opportunities. So, there you go. I mean, I think that's okay. That gets on. I would have thought that's, I think, haven't I read that one out? That's, that's not that seems, good. Yeah, that seems absolutely fine. I'm glad, <laughs> are we going to put this through the appeal process again? I think there are plenty that, are, that we definitely appeal and uh, and get back on to. I think, I think that is absolutely fine. Can yeah. we appeal that up to the um, the High Court, the Supreme Court? Yes, yeah. I'll, I'll see. Yes, yeah, absolutely. Because then what it will do is it'll make the, the listeners to the podcast think we're really in the, the heart of the show because yeah. we're hearing stuff before anyone else is hearing it. Mm. Imagine that. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, getting back to confessions from this week. Um, this is Kevin's tale. Can I get me some nasty bass? Simon Mayo's Confessions. Confess all. We won't tell anyone. Uh, Simon, Matt and the Unforgiving Holly and team. After listening to your show for many years and hearing the confessions by other people seeking redemption, I feel I must do the same now. I know there'll be no forgiveness from Holly. You've got a reputation. Mm, That's definitely true. My confession dates back to December 1990. It was a time when I was uh, young and carefree in my late 20s. And like a lot of people at my age at the time, we trudged through the working week looking forward to playing football over the weekend. I played for a local village side in the reserve team. In the last game I played, I had received an elbow in the ribs from a clogger from the opposition and he'd cracked a rib of mine, preventing me from enjoying my normal weekend of football. The importance of this, I will reveal later. I had a very good friend called Ian who worked for a telecoms company beginning with B and ending in T. (laughs) Okay. Ian was doing very well for himself and was working abroad in Indonesia. And due to his business prowess and the fact that he was owed some holiday days, Ian had managed to get a five-star hotel in Bali, care of said telecoms company. Ian phoned me and invited me to stay with him in Bali. The only cost would be my flight out there. So using my flexible friend... Uh, I should explain, uh, Ali, this is an old reference to the Access credit card, Mm, which became MasterCard. It was basically, that was was their catchphrase, the flexible flexible friend. friend, Just explaining it for the young (laughs) youngsters. (laughs) So I dropped everything and four days later I was on my way to Bali. We had a great time. The weather was great and the people of Bali were fantastically friendly. Everything was going well until my friend got a call from his boss and he was ordered to go to Singapore for an important business meeting and he suggested that I should go with him. I'd be able to stay with Ian in his hotel. Ian's a top kind of friend. Yeah. Mm. Could stay in his hotel in Singapore, be a great place to visit. So with this in mind, I went to the local aeroplane office <laughs> Tra- travel agent. Yeah. Okay. near the beach to buy a return ticket to Singapore. When I got to the office, I found that it was shut for one hour for lunch. Well, what was I going to do for an hour? I don't know, mate, you could have read a book or something. Mm. Anyway, anybody who has been to Bali in the early 1900s will know that there were teams of Balinese women who do massages and reflexology on the beach. So I thought, well, I've got an hour to kill. I shall partake in the above. Now, the thing is, I'm very ticklish. And the Balinese women kept (laughs) laughing at my squirms and screams whilst they attended to the massage and the reflexology. At one point, I was asked to lie on my front, which I tried to do, but I had a cracked rib, as I told you, and it gave me a lot of pain. The Balinese women asked me in their broken English, why are you hurt? And I replied, it was a football injury. Where are you from? They said, I said, I'm from Norwich. I should just add at this point that this was one of the times that Norwich City Football Club were in the top flight of English football. And you could watch all the top English football teams on the TV and all the local bars. 
You play football for Norwich City, they said. Are you a professional footballer? Well, I did try to tell the truth and explain that I was a mere amateur, but due to language problems, (laughs) I couldn't help myself saying, yes, I'm a professional footballer, yes, I play for Norwich City Football Club, and my manager has sent me to Bali (laughs) to recuperate to help my cracked rib get better. Mm. Well, after the massage and see you on the telly playing football, I duly went and purchased a ticket to Singapore. Flew out there the next day. Had a great time. Flew back to Bali and booked into a more modest three-star hotel and leaving myself three days before I had to catch my flight home. One evening, I decided to go to the beach and watch the sunset. Under the shade of a tree, I caught sight of the team who had done the beach massages a few days earlier and they saw me and waved and I waved back. Now, in Bali, when these schools finish for the Christmas break, they ferry all the children to the beach. And I watched the buses and coaches disgorge their cargo of excited children in their school blazers and ties. There seemed to be hundreds of them. Out of the corner of my eye, I noticed one of the massage team beckoning to one of the excited boys and clearly whispered something in his ear and then pointed at me. This young lad then ran back to his chums and then they all started pointing in my direction. I remember looking over my shoulder to see if it was definitely me they were pointing at, but there was nobody behind other than the shiny blue sea. Eventually, one small lad was dispatched from the mob of the staring and pointing youngsters and approached me with a pen and a notepad asking for my signature. Well, Father Simon, what can I do? I signed it and I wished him a happy Christmas. This action then precipitated an avalanche of expected young boys and girls all waving pieces of paper and pens, wanting me to give them my signature. One lad insisting I sign his white polo shirt with a marker pen. After signing what seemed like 200 signatures, a football suddenly landed at my feet. I was clearly expected to do some keepy-uppy with the ball. Thankfully, I was reasonably okay at that, but every time I lost control of the ball, which was a lot... Crack rib. I'm I'm injured. I'm trying to recover. Please don't do that again. Finally, they all dispersed and I was able to get away. So obviously, I need to offer my confession, particularly (laughs) to the pupils who probably have a photo of me on their bedroom wall thinking they had a professional footballer from the UK and the mother of the child whose polo shirt I signed was probably never washed from then until now. I hope you and the team can forgive me for this. It just goes to show what one small lie can lead to. Well, I think we have learned that over the years. One small lie, a lifetime of problems. Uh, Kevin would like some forgiveness. No chance, says Sister Holly. Well, lying is never the answer. I think that's really the moral of the story of, of a lot of these confessions. Lying is never the answer. It's small, and then it just completely descends into absolute chaos. Also, I think you were just showing off a bit, weren't you? You thought you actually quite liked the thrill of saying that you were a Norwich City footballer. Oh, aren't I great? Well, actually, you're not so great, because then all the children come along and yes, want to have their, some autographs. So, yeah, really, this wasn't a good idea. It was very bad, and, yeah, not forgiving at all. Deception of the highest order. Yes, I mean, whilst we're talking about lying, without lying, this feature doesn't exist. (laughs) So I'm going to say I'm in favour. I I think this is fine. I mean, the fact was that, you know, it's honest misunderstanding and maybe he egged it on a little. But, you know, as soon as you sign one for autograph, then all the other kids are going to go, oh, he really is a footballer. I better make sure I've got... I mean, no one's going to put his picture on the bedroom wall. That's not happening. I think you're thinking too much of yourself there, Kevin. So I'm going to forgive because it's all pretty harmless. They'll probably work daddy wasn't in the 1990 uh, uh, Norwich side anyway you know is that right is yes that what they'd have done? yes yeah I think they'd have gone home and checked it on the uh, Googles he obviously they looked they, I don't think they had that did they not no no, 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 no. 1990 
Still to come on the Confessions podcast, we delve into the crypt for Marky Mark's classic confession, The Ugly Bug Ball. Ashley's fancy dress fiasco, Tears of a Clown. And next, Nobby's Tale. More tea, Vicar. Confess all. We won't tell anyone. Just the entire nation. Simon Mayo's Confessions. Here we go with a confession, which comes from, um, let's say, this comes from the Reverend Nobby Trousers. Okay. Okay. So thank you, Reverend Nobby, for sending in this confession. Simon and the team, I cannot take the burden of my sin any longer and need to ask forgiveness for something that happened a long time ago. It's 1999. I'd just been appointed the vicar of a rural Yorkshire parish from the first Sunday realised I needed something to make the church a little more friendly. At my previous church we'd had coffee following the service and lo and behold the congregation grew as the church became a more friendly place. I thought I'd replicate this and put the matter to the church council. Wouldn't think you'd need to put that to a vote but anyway you needed to put it to the church council. You would have thought by the look on their faces that I'd invited Satan and a stripper to lead <laughs> Sunday worship. Wow. Okay. Begrudgingly, it was agreed, with one caveat. The coffee had to be fair trade to support farmers and not big business. Okay. My annoying bishop at the time also had a thing for fair trade. Right, annoying bishop. a thing. Right. right. <laughs> it's just big the question, what kind of a priest has got a problem with fairly traded goods? <laughs> really? Anyway. The person who proposed this was a Methodist. Ah. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Who for some reason worshipped at the local Anglican church. She was a feisty individual into ban the bomb, animal welfare, and loved to put her hands in the air when she sang. The next Sunday, I think he's very judgmental. He's yeah. Reverend, yeah. Uh, all was ready. As I went to the back of the church, a cup of what can only be described as sludge with milk was put into my hand. The stuff tastes more like pond water than coffee, and I managed to quietly tip it down the plug hole in the font without anyone noticing. I'm not quite sure you should have done that. Yeah. <laughs> it was obvious that this coffee would never b- bring people in and I knew I had to act. The next morning, before morning prayer, I went into the church and tipped the fair trade coffee into the bin and replaced it with a well-known, luscious, aromatic brand of coffee. Following Sunday, there were a lot more people who'd obviously come along to see what the new vicar was like. I kept the sermon short and soon it was coffee. To my surprise, people were actually smiling as they drank the stuff, and I had two cups. The zealous Methodist served it gleefully and proudly. She told everyone that it was fair trade. As the weeks went by, coffee became a great part of church time, and many friendships were made. As it was drunk, I replaced the coffee in the jar with the same luscious brand. One morning, my Methodist friend came up to me after the service and said that her fair trade coffee at home didn't taste quite the same as when she drank it in church. I jokingly replied that everything is better in the presence of God and perhaps <laughs> and perhaps it was the Holy Spirit who enhanced the flavour. Perhaps, yeah. After four more years of deceit, I moved on from the parish and I never knew what happened to the coffee after that. Please could I be forgiven for all that I have done and making someone believe that God enhanced the flavour of the coffee when all along it just had a richer, fuller taste. Could I also ask forgiveness from all the parishioners who switched to fair trade and soon realised it didn't taste the same as the one in church? Many thanks, Reverend Nobby Trousers. 
Okay. Um, uh, by the way, that, we, we've changed his name. That's not actually... <laughs> you. Oh. That's not actually his, his name. <laughs> I mean, I think it does, it does beg the question, what kind of a priest has a problem with fairly traded? Because, I mean, it's certainly true that in the early days, fairly traded coffee did taste not fantastic, and now it tastes absolutely blindingly wonderful. But still, you would imagine maybe that the clergy would be leading the way. Surely. Yes. Saying, surely we don't need luxurious coffee. Mm. We, yeah. can, we can do this because it's doing good in the world. Yes. But anyway, let's just, far be it from me <laughs> to lead the jury. To lead the jury. Sister Holly. But surely everyone is for fair trade. That's that's a good thing, surely. Um, well, the bishop is, but apparently but not, not the Reverend not, Trousers. Not, not no, Nobby Trousers. Um, and, and also, lying about the Holy Spirit uh, enhancing the drink, I thought was I sacrilegious think, almost, I actually. actually <laughs> I, actually think, I actually think it's... That's down as an unforgivable sin. It kind of is. I think actually. It is. And he's a reverend as well. Not looking good. Not looking it's good. It's not looking good. Come the come the final trump. <laughs> uh, that's why I'm not forgiving at all. Sheep. <laughs> Goats. Goats. Those are the other ones. And the ones with the coffee. Um, uh, here we go. So I'm going to say I'm going to forgive. But here's the reason why I'm going to forgive. It's for a detail that's buried within that confession. Um, and it's about he thinks that everyone's smiling and, and happy after the services uh, because uh, he's changed the coffee. Well, it's not because of the coffee. No. And it's not because of the Holy Spirit. It's because you kept your sermon short. That's why they're all happy. There's the lesson keep your sermon short so that we don't all have to get an ache in our bum sitting on the wooden pews. So for that reason, because he's learned his lesson, Mr. Nobby Trousers, uh, I'm going to... Reverend Nobby Trousers. Reverend mm. to you, I think, Nobby a, Trousers. Again, with the Weetab like the Weetabix, we've, we've learned a lot about Matthew. We yeah. really have. As he's yes. speaking from the bottom. Keep it under five yeah. minutes. <laughs> under five minutes. Under five wow. minutes. And the trouble with you is yes. you just want to pause for thought. That's what you want. <laughs> One minute fifty. Don't tax me too much. No. Simon Mayo's Confessions. We won't tell anyone. What? Oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, we will tell everyone. We're kind of in sitcom territory here, ah, I think. Good. A fantastically mm -hmm. awkward situation from Ashley, Father Simon, Brother Matt, Sister Holly and the loyal congregation from the Cathedral of Hits Grand. Or maybe Hits Grande. That sounds better. Mm. <laughs> I seek forgiveness to ease the burden of guilt retained for nearly four decades. It's actually Christmas 1985. I'd recently started a new job as a management trainee at a well-known financial institution in South East London. To protect the innocent, I will not reveal the company, but I can assure investors that their money was safe with the Woolwich. <laughs> I was... Uh, <laughs> okay. I'm sure that's Come fine. On. I was young, baby-faced, keen, enthusiastic and desperate to fit in. In the weeks leading up to Christmas, the district... You'll, you'll think it's a bit odd to do a Christmas. It's got nothing to do with Christmas. It's just okay. an interesting... Term. The district manager, Clive, decided that we would have a charity fundraising event and was open to suggestions from the staff. Ideas came flooding in. We could decorate the banking hall, organise entertainment, balloons and sweets for youngsters, and enthusiastically, one of the customer assistants suggested we could be in fancy dress. With another, Debbie, claiming that she would be able to obtain a selection of costumes. Clive also said that we would not book any appointments for that, for that particular day so we could all enjoy ourselves. I won't be there on the day, but treat it like the last day of school, he said. It'll be great fun. Enjoy yourself. It's later. Yeah. Anyway. Mm. The other three male staff, Ian, Jim, and he's a rage, so fancy dress thing, and he's not going to be there. Okay. okay. The other three male staff, Ian, Jim, and I, 
went with the flow and all agreed with the idea and were grateful that others would be organising. Furthermore, not wanting to get over-involved or seem to be a killjoy, no one dare ask about the costumes. Where are they coming from? What were they? Would they be appropriate? I mean, what could possibly go wrong, Father Simon? Anyway, come the day, the arrangements were all in place. The banking hall was decorated like a grotto. Debbie was true to her word and a van load of costumes were brought to the office. They were largely geared towards ladies. Mrs. Claus, fairies and elves aplenty. That left three outfits for men. One Father Christmas and two clowns. Yes, clowns. <laughs> OK. Debbie explained that they had run out of Christmas costumes. Jim bagsed the Santa Claus outfit and volunteered <laughs> to be Father Christmas and sit in the grotto. Jim was made for this task and was great with children, so that was fine. So that just left two outfits, two clowns outfits, one for Ian and one for me. Without wanting to stereotype the look of clowns, but I will, Ian and I were adorned with wigs, noses, large shoes and plenty of makeup. Yep. I was on the tilt for the day and along with all the staff and our customers, we all got into the spirit of things and it was a very relaxed atmosphere. Until an elderly lady came to my till. I greeted her in my usual friendly manner, but she burst into tears. She told me that her husband had just passed away and that she needed to speak with someone regarding his accounts. I obviously toned down my cheerfulness, said how sorry I was. Oh, no. As sorry and sincere as anyone who was dressed as a clown with a huge painted smile on his face. At this moment, all I was thinking of were the words of Smokey Robinson. Don't let my glad expression give you the wrong impression. Oh, yeah. Really, I'm sad. Yeah. Sadder than sad. With the song running through my brain and starting to take over my thoughts, I did my best to compose myself and put on my best concerned happy clown <laughs> not sure what to do and being young and naive I suggested that she take a seat and offered up the services of my fellow clown Ian <laughs> the clown. Ian was not best pleased and was far from prepared to conduct a probate interview but he's the manager Ian walked in in his 24 inch shoes white face Red wig like Pennywise, the dancing clown from It by Stephen King. Hiya, Georgie. <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, he called the elderly lady through to the front office. Thankfully, Ian's makeup also included an upside down smile with tears coming from his eyes. No, that's better. That's a lot better. So it, I'm sure that the lady was reassured by his <laughs> obvious sympathy, empathy, and manner. <laughs> Ian completed the task. But beneath that facade of his mace cup was seething with contempt for me for passing the case on. Father and brother, there's no point in asking, Sister Holly. I seek forgiveness from you and your throng, not for inflicting further suffering on an elderly lady in her time of need, but for offering up the services of a fellow clown to conduct an interview in the most sensitive and difficult of circumstances. I think, actually, actually if you'd offered some apologies to the old lady, that might have... That might have helped your case, but apart from that, I have to say Holly's looking very, very bad about this one. <laughs> yeah, I, the thing I don't understand is why go for the clown outfit? Wouldn't it have been... I know they said that all the other ones were female ones, but you also mentioned elves. 
aren't elves, couldn't you be mm. a male elf? Wouldn't yeah. that have been... I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure that wouldn't have made it fantastic, but it would have been slightly better, I think. It would have been slightly less bad. Also, you, I thought you weren't doing any appointments this day. That's why you were all dressed up. And so why did you agree it's to the have system. this... It's the system. It's the system. Why did you agree to have this meeting? I thought it was a bad idea. The fancy dress from the start was always going to end badly. And so for that reason, I'm not forgiving Ashley because you should have gone for the elf outfit. outfit. Yeah. Yes. I mean, fancy dress is always a bad idea. It is mm. always, isn't it? It's never awful, good. Awful. They ran out of they ran out of costumes after Father Christmas. For really? Them. I yeah. mean, what kind of fancy dress store is this? Um, ridiculous. I'm a class. So sorry about your loss. Honk honk. Smell my flower. Uh, yes. No. I love it. Love it. Uh, excellent stuff. And uh, yeah, it's all the system. Again, we're saying it again. It's the system that's to, that's to blame. Not the not the individual. Not Ashley. It's why on earth are you dressing up in fancy dress and still doing serious banking stuff? It's ridiculous. Mm. Uh, so definitely forgive them. See, the thing is, the problem there is that you're blaming the system again. Yes, but, I am. Uh, it's just a way out to weasel out of whether you know a proper reason for. <laughs> no, no, no. It's not. It's absolutely. The, if if the, the the system is saying we've all got to dress in fancy dress, then why are we then still doing the serious appointment? And the only thing to blame for that uh, is the man. Corporate bank system. Yeah, corporate yeah, yeah, bank yeah. man. Yep. Um, Helen Coggan sent this in. After 34 years working for a high street bank, I could offer up a few stories like the confession oh, tonight. Good. Like the time when an older gentleman asked to speak to someone in an office about his account. I showed him towards an office and said, would your daughter like to come with us? And she, he said, that's not my daughter, that's my wife. It's yes. <laughs> uh, I've done that in real life. Have oh you? dear, yes. I went to a wedding and I didn't know the bride and groom. My wife did. And uh, all I knew was that the bride was marrying someone who was a little bit older. And the night before the wedding, we all went to one of those rehearsal meals. And um, she turned up and I said, oh, that's nice. She's come with her dad. And uh, Jill elbowed me and said, that's not a dad. <laughs> oh, no. There you go. Oh, not a dad. It's a Matt classic. <laughs> right, into the confessional archives now for another classic from the crypt. And thank you, by the way, for all your requests. Do keep them coming. We promise we'll dig out what we can and play what we find. It's Patrick's request that we're pulling out of the archives this week. Holy Confessional Collective, may I congratulate you on a glorious return to the podcast sphere. Five-star laughs every time. The confession I'd like to hear again is the one about the family of metal mites at the engineering plant. As someone who works with young apprentices and often has the responsibility of introducing them to the harsh realities of the working world, this gave me a great laugh, as well as one or two ideas for dealing with the work-shy ones. So featuring a welcome pop-up appearance from fabulous producer sister Katie... Oh, yeah. ...before mm -hmm. she disappeared into yeah. obscurity. Yeah. Where is she now? <laughs> yes, exactly. Oh, yeah. uh, kiss breakfast. Is <laughs> but anyway, she looks back on these days fondly. She does. Anyway, uh, we've rescued this from a Winamp backup on our old Commodore PC. <laughs> Let's pretend we all know what that means. Okay. Marky Mark's confession, which we called at the time the ugly bug ball. Something to confess... Simon Mayo's Confessions. Uh, Brother Matthew uh, is here, Sister Katie is here producing the show, that's why it's in such impeccable order. Oh, Correct. Thank you. Uh, as thank ever. You. It's from Marky Mark. Marky Mark says, Simon and the Confessions congregation, back in 1989, when I was a tender age of 18, I worked as a lathe turner in a factory in Portsmouth. I'd been there for almost eight months and running my own section of ten machines when my foreman, Dave, announced that I would be getting a YTS student 
For younger listeners, that's the youth <laughs> training scheme. Yeah. A YTS student to work alongside me to learn the ropes and to lighten the load of me running ten machines. I like this idea, as the work can be quite demanding at times. Anyway, the next day, this 16-year-old turned up and was introduced to me as Roger. Even though our ages were quite close together, he was very immature and mostly lazy, constantly finding places just to sit down and relax instead of getting on with work and learning. Roger the Dodger, I yeah. think so. Mm -hmm. yeah. One of his favourite places to sit was a bench where we used to... Now, this is the technical term, deburr the brass, as in remove the rough bits. This used to annoy me more than anything. He should be working, but he's sitting on the bench. Mm. The bench where we deburr. We do deburr the brass bits. Yeah. That's yeah. what we do. One day, Rog was sitting on this bench again, and I said to him, Here, Rog, don't sit there. You'll get metal mites. He said, No, I won't. Anyway, what are they? And I said, making this up as I went along. Oh, metal mites, you know, they're, well, they're tiny bugs, like ordinary mites, small arachnids with eight legs, tiny, less than one millimetre in length, but metal mites live and crawl in amongst the brass scraps and they pierce your overalls. Then they crawl up your bottom <laughs> and they give you a poorly stomach. Oh, man. Who knew? Then they reproduce in your stomach and release gas for about six weeks. Right, OK. He said, no, they don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no yeah. such thing. Yeah. At this moment, another colleague walked over and said, what's going on then? I said, Roger here is sitting on the bench again and that he'll get metal mites. Well, my colleague, who clearly been listening, said, yeah, that's right, don't sit there, you will get metal mites. I got them once, very nasty. Couldn't walk straight for months. <laughs> Roger's eyes were on stalks. Right. You couldn't walk, he said. My colleague was playing the role perfectly. Nope, he said. I reckon I... <laughs> <laughs> reckon I had a... <laughs> Have another go. Go on. Reckon I had a whole family get up there. <laughs> they rattled, rattled around for ages. <laughs> I think they ate part of my femur. I mean, how they got from his stomach to his femur, I wasn't sure. But you have to know, if you haven't realised already, that Rog wasn't the sharpest pencil in the box. So it's my turn now. Yeah, and didn't uh, old Bob have to retire because of them? I said, my colleague looked grave. He did. Went sterile too. Well, Roger the Dodger was now white as a sheet. He got down, sharpish, and we carried on working. Well, the next day, I came into work and went to start up the machines before Roger arrived, when my foreman, Dave, called me into his office. Dave said to me, what did you say to Roger yesterday? I said, oh, why'd you ask? And Dave says, well, Roger is sick today. He's off. He's also sacked. I said, sacked? What, what for? So Dave says, well, Roger said he had a sickness caused by bugs in his stomach called <laughs> metal mites or some such lunacy. Anyway, he was clearly skiving, so I sacked him. Well, my jaw hit the floor, and I thought, oh, blimey, what an idiot. Uh, I, so I told Dave what had happened, but never, ever told Roger about the truth that metal mites don't exist. This is because I never saw him again. Anyway, however, in fairness, he did use it as an excuse to get the day off, but I don't think he... I didn't think that he would get sacked. 
Anyway, I do feel bad, and I hope he's had a good life. Or, in fact, he's continuing to have a good life, you know, <laughs> because unless the mites, well, you know, after yeah. eating a femur, they could turn around and... Yes. Who knows where they go next? They're not existing. <laughs> anyway, that's right. There are, of course, no such thing as metal mites, so they don't um, bite through your overalls or anything okay, else. No. Uh, come to that. Uh, Sister Katie, producer of the show, what are you, the voice of authority, what do you say? You know, Marky Mark, I was with you at first because I understand it's really annoying when somebody isn't there playing their part of the team. But maybe he convinced himself that he was ill. Maybe you scared him that much that he was convinced uh-huh. that he couldn't come to work. Or maybe he did have a stomach bug. He might have eaten something bad the night before and then the timing of it was awful. So he thought he had metal mites. So I can't forgive you. I'm sorry. He got sacked. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so no forgiveness there. I mean, but let's check in with the brother from another gutter with no morals. Giving giving too much benefit of the doubt to, to Roger, I think. I mean, we're, we're back in the days of, of YTS and the lathe. Are the, are the lathe still going? I don't know. It doesn't, doesn't feel like they are. 1989. Uh, 1989, the lathe. Um, metal, yes, I mean, I, I'm going to forgive just for the just for the example of metal mites crawling up your nethers. I think that's a... What a, what a little, uh, a little uh, thought that is to have whilst you're having your tea. Very it's, much. Uh, definitely forgiven. It's a life lesson, uh, I think, uh, we've had. Okay. A family of them. Uh, yes, <laughs> exactly right. Simon Mayo's Confessions. We won't tell anyone. What? Oh, sorry, sorry. I mean, we will tell everyone. Uh, Marky Mark, thank you very much indeed for sending yes. that in all those years ago. And you were in the studio by then, I think. Yes, the, uh, the, the days of the loft had gone by that point. We were all together, like we are now. Yeah. <laughs> isn't that, isn't that it's so a much pal- It's like a palantine. Is that what it's we're having? Palantine. You could yeah, call it, it just recording a podcast, you but could. we're now going to call it palantine. No, no, no. If you have a request for a classic confession that you'd like to hear again, uh, or indeed you have a confession you want to send to us, and if we use it, you get a smart speaker, send it to confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk. Wrapping up this week's service is Brother Matt with the secret code phrase. Hands off my Weetabix. That's going to be the code phrase. Tweet it, send it to Simon. <laughs> Hands off my Weetabix. If you've listened this far, uh, you know exactly what you have to do and uh, then hopefully you'll get a mention on the show next week. Finally, don't forget to follow, like, subscribe, send us cash. And I was, that's a joke. Yeah. <laughs> and keep telling everyone that Simon Mayo's Confessions podcast is back. Until next time, Sister Holly says... Goodbye. Brother Matt says... So long. Farewell. I'll feed the same. Good night. Adieu, obviously. <laughs> is it? Is no, it's good night, is it? No, it's adieu. Pretty sure it's good night. No. Just check the sound of music. <laughs> just just going to check it. Okay. Anyway, I'm Simon. Thank you very much indeed for listening. See you next week. Simon Mayo's Confessions. Want to confess? Simon Mayo would love to hear your story. He may even keep it to himself. He definitely won't keep it to himself. Send gory details, please, to confessions at greatesthitsradio.co.uk.